In today's episode of Men's Bible Study, Pastor John Mark Caton continues in a series entitled Five Pillars of Biblical Manhood. John Mark demonstrates the value and usefulness of one's integrity and also faith by using Aaron's failure of creating the golden calf for the Israelites. Now let's hear from Pastor John Mark. Hey guys, I want to invite you to turn in to, to Exodus chapter 32. Turn with us, uh, Exodus chapter 32, as we continue in our Five Pillars series. Um, if you were here the last couple of weeks, we looked at pillar number one, uh, which was uh, to be on your guard. And we really looked at Samson one week and Paul the next week. And all of these five pillars uh, for us, as we think about being the kind of men that God wants us to be, all of them come from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, which says, be on your guard, Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. And so the first two weeks, as we were looking in here, we, uh, in each one of these points, each one of these five pillars of being the kind of man uh, that God wants us to be, the authentic manhood, the kind of men that God wants us to be, we're looking at someone in Scripture uh, who failed in an epic way, and we looked at Samson the first week when we think about the ideas of being on guard. Samson was a complete failure. Had so much potential, so much opportunity, uh, but continued to fail. But then beyond that, then we looked the next week when we think about being on guard, which is Paul. Uh, he, man, was faithful to the very end. Now today we're going to look at the second pillar of what it means to be the kind of man that God wants us to be. And it really comes from the middle of those verses. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your faith. You know, as we think about the idea of what does it mean to stand firm in our faith, a lot of times we think, well, you know, if I'm going to be a really good Christian, I want to cautiously avoid all sin. I want to be careful. And how many would agree that's a good thing, right? We want to do everything we can to avoid sin, to, uh, to not go down the road that we want to go, that, that Satan wants us to go. But the reality of it is, Instead of cautiously avoiding sin, if we are really be going to be the kind of men God's, God wants us to be, we want to do everything we can to actively pursue and live out God's will in our life. And I think that's what stand firm in your faith has to do, or really has to talk about with us today. You know, as we think about an epic failure, uh, Aaron is the guy that comes to mind. As I think in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 32, uh, if you read all of Exodus chapter 32, we won't today, but we'll take out some highlights of Exodus chapter 32. How many of you uh, remember Mel Brooks uh, when he came down from the mountain and he said, I have 15 commandments. Wait, I have 10 commandments. How many of you remember that? Exodus chapter 32, right here. It's Exodus chapter 32 where Moses comes down from the mountain, he's got the commandments, and he gets angry with the people and he breaks the commandments. So Mel Brooks took a little uh, liberty in the way he described it, but it's really Exodus chapter 32, that Moses has been on the mountain for a long time. He didn't go up there for 24 hours, 48 hours. Moses had been up on the mountain for so long that the people begin to wonder whether he's even still alive. The people begin to wonder whether he's, he, he's even still alive. Now, when Moses went up on the mountain, Moses left Aaron in charge of the people. And he said, listen, uh, stay with the people, handle any disputes, 
care for them, lead them to worship each and every day. And what happened is time went on, the people began to get more and more anxious that maybe Moses wasn't coming back, that perhaps he died on the mountain. And so they approached Aaron, who, by the way, he was a great associate, but he wasn't a great leader. That's what we're going to see right here. He was a good support structure uh, for Moses. As a matter of fact, before we even jump in, let me tell you, if you didn't know who Aaron was, let me give you a couple of thoughts, pull this up. Aaron was the older brother, if you didn't know, he's the older brother of Moses by about three years. Probably if you go back to Exodus chapter 1, Aaron was probably born before the Pharaoh delivered the edict to have all the babies killed. Remember when you had Moses placed in the, placed in the river there? That was Aaron. Aaron was his older brother by about three years. Uh, when God shows up to call Moses into his ministry to go deliver the children of Israel. Remember at the burning bush that Moses gave one excuse after another excuse after another excuse after another excuse. It really seems once they get down to the final excuse, Moses' final excuse is basically, I am not good at speaking. Remember that? He says, man, I'm not good at speaking. God responded to him, who is it that made the mouth of man? I can control your mouth. And then Moses finally says, send anybody else. Now, if you remember one excuse after another, God never gets mad. And so, so guys, if you ever doubt your ability or question your ability, you need to understand this. God never gets mad at that. But if you look in that string of excuses that Moses gave, the time that God got mad is when Moses pretty much said, I don't want to do it. Moses said, send anybody else. And so, guys, it is one thing for uh, us to doubt our abilities, to doubt whether we can come back from a failure or come back from a mistake or whether God can actually use me in his kingdom considering our background or our, our occupation or something like that. It's one thing for us to wonder all of those things. But it's a completely other thing for us to tell God, I simply don't want to do it. Because in very, very clear example there with Moses is, and God's anger burned against Moses. Now, at the end of the day, God says, you're going to do it anyway. But he says, go get your brother Aaron. And as a matter of fact, it looks as though God had also been speaking to Aaron along the way. And Aaron, at the beginning, was more willing than Moses to show up. Because we won't turn there. It says, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses after he said, send anybody else. He says, what about your brother Aaron? He goes, I know he's already on his way to meet you and he will speak for you. It's almost as if in this process, God knew how this was all going to turn out. So God just dropped a little still small voice uh, in Aaron's ear and says, come meet Moses. I've got a big task for you and your brother to do. And Aaron the older brother almost seems more willing to do it because then Moses and Aaron meet up and Moses said, listen, you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to speak to the elders of Israel. You're going to speak to Pharaoh. And by the way, we're going to use your staff to perform a lot of really cool miracles. And it seems as though Aaron was in. So he's the older brother. Uh, he was more willing to serve God uh, as well as serve Moses. He was apparently a good speaker. You, you go in and look, their first conversation with the children of Israel, as you read, when Moses and Aaron go and say, hey, God showed up to me 
uh, to Moses at the burning bush, and he's going to deliver us and take us to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. If you go look at that conversation with the elders, it's Aaron that has it, not Moses. It's Aaron that has it. So you're talking about a guy that can talk, that can speak, and Moses kind of said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you everything you're going to say and in a discombobulated way. And when you get in front of Pharaoh, I want you to say it in a combobulated way. And when you get in front of the elders, I want you to say it in a good way that they can understand. So this guy clearly was willing to be the spokesman for both God as well as Moses. Um, Aaron ultimately is the first one uh, to speak to the elders uh, when they finally do get into, um, uh, into uh, uh, back into Egypt. Um, Aaron's the one that spoke to Pharaoh oftentimes. It was Aaron's staff that was oftentimes used for signs and miracles. Um, when the Israelites grumbled, remember how oftentimes, like every chapter, they were grumbling about something? It oftentimes said, and the children of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So he caught a lot of the ire of the children of Israel. They saw him. They saw Moses, Aaron, Moses, Aaron, Moses, Aaron. But clearly, Moses was the lead guy. Uh, beyond that, he was chosen as priest in his line and his lineage. They were chosen as the priest of Israel as they made their journey forward. And then finally, uh, if you remember when Moses goes up on the mountain, Aaron is chosen to be the person that would settle the disputes between the children of Israel when they'd bring them before the, before, uh, before the leadership. So, as you journey forward and we think about this guy, Aaron, I want you to know he was not just some external figure. He was not just some guy over in the back of the room. All right, he wasn't some guy that hadn't done it. Aaron, man, was right there with Moses all along the way. And so perhaps that is a challenge for us. Maybe some of you have been so faithful or your plan is to be so faithful journeying forward. And you think, man, there has to come a point in a man's life. There has to be a point in a man's life where being faithful to God and staying firm in your faith is no longer hard. It just begins to happen. And I want you to know Aaron is a prime example, a great example, although he wasn't perfect, that you and I always have to be willing to stand firm in our faith. Man, Aaron had done it over and over and over again. Aaron was there through all the plagues and seen God move. Aaron spoke to Pharaoh and said, no, God pretty much says one way or the other, you're going to let his people go. Uh, Aaron was one of the ones, throw down your staff. Moses says, throw down your staff. And all of a sudden he saw it all happen. I mean, he saw the Red Sea. He was there when the children of Israel uh, fought the Amalekites. Remember, Joshua commanded the army, and it was Aaron and Hur that stood on Moses' left and right, held his arms up. Aaron had seen it all. And so here we come to Exodus chapter 32. Moses has gone up on the mountain, and Aaron begins to fail in his faith. He doesn't stand firm in his faith. Reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where Paul talks to us as men before we dive into our passage today. Here's what Paul says. So if you think you're standing firm, there's the caution. Remember today we're going to look at an epic failure. Tomorrow we'll look at sweet success, sweet victory. Next week we'll look at sweet victory. But notice what he says. So then... 
If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. He says, why? He says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He says, God will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So as you think about that passage, uh, what Paul is saying to every, every guy in this room, every guy on Zoom, every guy listening in, every guy, guy listening to the podcast, is it doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith or how new you are to the faith. He says, be careful. If you ever get to a place where you think you got it, you don't got it. We can always fail. We all know of people we love or people who are faithful for a long, 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 long time. And then all of a sudden, something happens. And they fail in their faith. And so Aaron's going to be a prime example of an individual that after all that he had done, he failed in his faith. Now, God was gracious to him, continued to give him opportunity, but it hurt him. And ultimately, he let God down. And not only we talk a lot about Moses because of his sin, not getting, in, getting to enter in the promised land. Aaron, for all the good he did, he didn't make it in either because he didn't stand firm. So let's jump in. Let me give you a couple of thoughts today as we think about, man, what makes us fail in our faith? What keeps us from standing firm. Look at Exodus chapter 32, pick it up in verse 1. Here's Aaron's temptation. It says, When the people saw Moses has gone up to the mountain, when the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, man, they doubted, they had patience, they were wondering. They gathered around Moses, I mean, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. Now, that's a sinful request right there. We're in Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus chapter 20, one of the things that they've been told is there's no other gods before me. Don't make any graven images. Don't make any graven images. That's a clear command of God. Don't use the, word, the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. All of those, honor your father and your mother so your days may be long in the land. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Man, all of those, do not lie. They're all there. Do not covet. But right there, early on, do not make graven images. Why? God was saying, listen, even the best thing you craft, whatever you shape, whatever you manufacture, whatever you do, if it's supposed to represent me, it's going to fall way short. And so God says, I want you just to worship me. Don't make graven images. Just worship me. In the New Testament, what did Jesus say to the woman at the well? He said, no. You're not going to eat, because what was her question? Your people say we worship on this mountain. Our people say we worship on that mountain. And they said, she said, what do you say? Jesus said, listen, there's going to come a day when you don't worship on that mountain or that mountain. You just worship God in spirit and in truth. What is that? A reflection back to the Old Testament. That God just says, worship me in spirit and in truth. So, back Notice what it says as you pick it back up. They came to him and they said, uh, hey, what we want you to do, make for us gods who will go before us. 
what are they saying? They, they noticed when we, were, um, when we were back in Egypt, uh, when they would go out to war, they would have some sort of God that would march before the men, that would give them power and strength and ultimately victory. They said, we noticed as we journeyed through the land, whether it was the Amalekites or the Philistines or these, this group or that, they always had these golden calves or these golden images. So they show up, Moses is gone, who was their leader, and they say, ultimately, make for us some sort of image that will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, now listen to this, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. How quickly they forget. Moses had led them out of the out of the uh, out of slavery Moses had delivered the plagues on Pharaoh Moses was the one that led them through the Red Sea he's gone a couple of days more than a couple of days and all of a sudden they go we don't even know if he's still alive so they ask Aaron make for us a graven image that will go before us in war how do you respond in those situations do you say well no because my guess is Aaron begins to wonder as well. I mean, it's not like they had cell phones during those days where they could text and Moses could say, hey, I know I've been here a while, but I'm on my way home. He don't know. He doesn't know. And so they ask him, that's the question. Make for us a graven image. We don't know about Moses. Make for us a graven image. We don't know about Moses. Make for us a graven image. We don't know about Moses. How do you respond in a situation like that? Well, you should step back and say, no. We are not going to do that. I mean, what Aaron should have done is said, uh, did you need a graven image for God to deliver the ten plagues to Pharaoh? Aaron should have said, did we need a graven image for God to part the Red Sea? For us to cross through on dry land. Did we need a graven image when we were there and the water was bitter and God turned it into sweet? Did you need a graven image? Did you need a graven image? Did you need a graven image when we were hungry and needed bread? When we, we needed, I mean, we needed manna, we needed quail. Did you need graven images for any of that? When we had these skirmishes along the way, did we need graven images? No, that's what he should have said. But instead he stepped back and says, man... Maybe so. So what caused him to fail in his faith? Remember, today we're talking about failure. Next week we'll talk about sweet victory. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. What causes us to fall in our faith? I think, number one, I think sometimes spiritually we have weak knees, just as men. We just have weak knees. Aaron ultimately buckled under the pressure. What was the pressure? The people. They showed up. Make for us a graven image. Guys, you and I have to understand that the times that you and I are most prone to compromise, not necessarily uh, to some sin of commission, but perhaps even a sin of omission, is when we are pressured, when we are influenced by our friends are influenced by society. If you were here Sunday, I said, you know, my dad used to ask me the question, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? And, you know, that's a silly question. Of course I would, right? Uh, how many times you think about it? You, you, put, you put one guy together, 
it's highly likely he's going to do something bad. You put four teenagers together, teenage boys together, they're four times as likely they're going to do something wrong, right? Man, this is what had happened. Aaron's standing there. The people begin to pressure him. And there are going to be times that you will make a commitment in your life. I'll make a commitment in my life. Man, I'm going to stay faithful to God. I'm going to walk with God in all his ways and everything he wants to do. Then all of a sudden, I show back up with my buddies or the dudes or I'm trying to get in with a new group at work or here or there and all of a sudden I can be influenced, I can be pressured and my spiritual knees get pretty weak. That's exactly what happens. So notice how he responded and this is the failure. It says Aaron, verse 2, Exodus chapter 32, verse 2, Aaron answered them, said, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and he made it or he fashioned it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf. In those days, a calf was a symbol of power. A bull was a symbol of power or even fertility. And then the shape of a calf fashioned it with a tool then said, this is your God, or these are your gods. Now, I want you to know what I think Aaron was doing, and you can go look at some of the commentators because of the Hebrew words he uses right here. Uh, Aaron was not throwing out Yahweh. Aaron was not rejecting Elohim. Aaron was not adopting for the children of Israel these small little G gods, all right? That word Elohim in the Old Testament is the word for God. It's the one you find in Genesis chapter 1. It is a plural. We understand God as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So a better translation for this, tra for this, this set of phrases here is not these are your gods. The plural comes from the word Elohim. He says, this is your God, is essentially what he's saying. So, I want you to know, don't think that Aaron quickly said, out with the one true God, in with all of these false gods. What Aaron was saying is, okay, one true God, Elohim, we know in the New Testament, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, here's the image of your God. This is your God. And so a lot of Hebrew commentators or we'll look at the word that is used there, the plural of God. Say Aaron wasn't trying to all of a sudden adopt the God of the Philistines or the God of the Amalekites or the God of the Egyptians. That's not what he's doing. He didn't fashion a bunch of false gods. What he did is he fashioned an image that would represent the one true God. Does that make sense? So what he did is he tried to have a compromise. Okay, I'll take a little bit of culture. I'll take the image, I'll take an idol, but our idol is going to represent the one true God, whereas all the other idols represent false gods. Do you understand what I'm saying, right? He's saying our God's different, our, our idol is different. Why? Because what it represents. Well, what's the primary problem in that? God had already said no images, no images, no idols. Why? Well, he says, first of all, well, we know once you create an image, you're going to have a tendency to worship the image and not the one true God. So God didn't want that. The second thing is once you create it, if you are a fine craftsman, you can't help but be proud of your handiwork, right? 
And then all of a sudden you get into idle competition, not American idol, but idle competition. Hey, you know, Billy Bob makes a nicer idol than Jerry over here, right? And then all of a sudden God says, man, we are so far away from worship of the one true God. And so what Aaron is doing, Aaron is not throwing out the one true God here. What he's doing is trying to synthesize a pagan culture and the worship of the one true God. And so as you and I look back here, remember, Aaron just simply says, here is a calf that represents Elohim. That was his sin. That was what he felt. The people came to him and said, we don't know about Moses. Aaron wasn't ready to leave, lead. He was a great uh, number two. He was a great spokesman. He was a great faithful uh, disseminator of, uh, of God's word and information to the people. He was a good priest. His son's not so good, but he was a pretty good priest. But he wasn't perfect. But when the people brought pressure to him, he began to compromise his weak knees. God had already given a clear stance. So guys, when you sense those seasons in your life, that pressure is being applied to you to compromise your faith, there's a lot of gray area in life. I'll be the first to admit it. There are a lot of gray areas in life that you let your conscience drive. But I want you to know, if there's a clear command in Scripture, a thou shalt not, you've got to stand firm in those spaces. Whether you have a glass of wine or don't have a glass of wine, there's a lot of gray area. Whether you drink a beer or whether you don't drink a beer, that's a lot of gray area. However, when it comes to things like this, the Ten Commandments, we have to stand firm in those areas. We're never told to stand firm on the political party we like to vote for. We're told to stand firm on the commandments that God has clearly given us. So thought number two, notice as you continue to read, not only did he have weak knees, not only did he buckle under the pressure uh, and compromise one of the commands, I think one of the reasons he did that is because he developed some misguided values. Uh, you pick it up in Exodus chapter 32, verse 5 and 6, and he begins to try to merge the pagan and the pure, uh, the worship of an idol and the worship of the one true God. Here's what he says in Exodus chapter 32, verse 5 and 6. It says, When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early in the morning, sacrificed burnt offerings before the Lord, and presented their fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink, and then they got up to indulge in revelry. So, notice the pattern. He's broken a command. He's built an altar. Then he steps back and he looks at the altar and he goes, wait, or he's built, built the idol. He says, now we need an altar. This is the worship of the one true God. Let's build an altar. So he built an altar in front of the idol, all right, an altar in front of the idol. Then he says, you know what? We're supposed to go ahead and bring a fellowship offering. What is he trying to do? He's trying to merge the pagan and the pure. He's trying to merge the godly and the ungodly. He's trying to put things together, and that really shows me that, man, not only has he buckled under the pressure, but he's trying to change the values of the faith. 
I think a lot of times, uh, my guess is nobody here, my guess is, if you have, I want to hear, I want to talk to you after, my guess is no guy in this room has ever built an altar, uh, built an idol. My guess is if, if I walked into your house right next to your fireplace, you wouldn't say, hey, I built that idol. That's my one true God. Some of you might have some idols. Uh, it, it might be a letter jacket from high school that you had 80 years ago. Uh, or it might see something else that you did. It might be, might, be, might be a medal that you earned or something that you did. And you've got some idols. And, is, and don't ever touch those idols. But what is he trying to do? He's trying to merge the pagan and the pure. And a lot of times you and I try to do that. We, we, we compromise a little here and a little there. And that's exactly what Aaron does. Aaron says, man, you know, I know I broke a command here, but if I put a little fellowship offering with it, if I built an altar there, then the idol won't look as bad. Then if I call the people back together and we have a worship time, it's not going to be a bad thing. So guys, in your life and in my life, we want to make sure don't let peer pressure drive us to a place where we have weak faith and weak knees, nor do we want to develop weak values where we're trying to say, man, all right, I know this is a sin in my life, the idol, the sin, whatever I'm doing. But if I put a fellowship offering around it, if I built an altar around it, it won't be as bad. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to put lipstick on a pig, and the pig is the pagan, and the pig is breaking the commandments. Guys, if there is sin in your life, man, repent from it. Come back from it. Confess it. Don't build an altar around it. Get rid of it. Does that make sense? Man, build, get, get rid of it. So here you have Aaron. He says, all right, we don't know about Moses. Give me your stuff. It says he fashioned it. it fa he fashioned it. Then he built an altar. Then they had a fellowship. Then notice what it says. They begin to indulge in revelry. It is a slippery slope as we journey down. Now, jump on forward. Notice this. Now, as we journey forward, he had weak knees, he had weak values. Now it rolls into weak integrity. It begins to compromise his character. If you pick it up and you read and uh, jump down to verse 21 of Exodus 32. So Moses is up on the mountain. He's been gone a long time. He begins to hear some things down at the base of the mountain. And he's up there with Joshua, and Joshua says, man, it sounds like the sound of war. And Moses responds, before we're going to read, Moses says, well, no, that's not the sound of victory. That's not the sound of defeat. Um, that's the sound of revelry and singing. He goes, they're having a party over something down there. And so notice what happens. Moses comes down, and he sees the idol, and he sees the people indulging in revelry. And so he shows up, and you pick it up in verse 21. And Moses begins to talk to Aaron. Now, notice this. Moses' first conversation isn't with the people. It's with the leader. He says, Aaron, I left you in charge. So here's what he says, verse 21. He says, he, Moses, said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that led you or that led them into such a great sin? Now, notice Aaron, what he does. He begins to blame the people. Verse 22. He says, do not be, be angry with me, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to sin. All right, do you hear this? 
Don't be angry with me. Moses, we've been with these people for a while. You know how prone they are to sin. They grumble all the time. They gripe all the time. He says, do not be with, angry with me, my Lord. Aaron answered, you know how prone these people are to do evil. They said to me, make us gods. Remember, he started with blame. Who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That part is true, right? Now notice he goes from blaming the people to flat out lying. All right, look at this. He says, so I told them, whoever has any gold or jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me gold. I threw it into the fire and poof, out comes this calf. All right. Do you remember we just read a few minutes ago that he fashioned it with a tool? All right. He's flat out lying. He is making excuses. He is saying, first of all, these people blaming them, you know how prone they are to grumble and gripe and to sin and drift away, which was true, but it had nothing to do with him. He says, they came to me and said, fashion. Now, he says, pretty much, Moses, all I did was say, hey, uh, throw your gold earrings and throw your stuff, your necklaces, throw them in the fire and poof, a miracle happened. This calf came out. And so guys, listen, if you ever commit a sin, don't blame somebody else. A true man of faith will own it. You don't blame somebody else. It's not somebody else's fault when you fail. And then don't follow up a blame with a lie. Own it, confess it, get it forgiven, and then stand firm in your faith from here on out. So now as we continue to read and as you think through this this idea, he says, and poof, uh, out, came, out came this calf. Moses saw that all the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control. And so, so they became a laughingstock to their enemies. Look at verse 26. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied around him. Now, Aaron should have done way better. From the very beginning, he said, listen, until God tells us Moses is dead and I'm the new leader, we're waiting on Moses. Until God tells us to do something different, we're going to roll through life and we're going to trust God and we don't need a representation. Until God tells us to do something different, we're going to remember that we walked through the Red Sea, we came out of Egypt, we did all of those things without a golden calf, we don't need one. But notice the fatal consequences. Because he broke God's command, because he tried to synthesize what he wanted to do in the world and what God wanted him to do. The people got out of control and sinned. There were fatal consequences. It said 3,000 people died that day because of his failure in leadership. Guys, you and I have to stand firm in our faith. Our families matter. Our kids matter, our communities matter, our church matters. And finally, as you look down and see some real leadership, jump down to Exodus chapter 32, verse 30, and this is where we'll look. It says, The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up before the Lord, and perhaps I will make atonement for you. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. God knew. 
He says, but now God says, Moses says, please forgive them. But then notice this leader's heart. He says, but if not, blot me out instead. So Moses, the true leader, goes back up to God and cries out for their forgiveness. He says, forgive them, but if they don't, he says, then blot me out. So as we journey from here, here are a couple of thoughts. Always remember what God has done in your past. That's where Aaron went wrong. Aaron should have said, listen, we don't need them. We haven't needed them in the past. Second thought, don't ever break a clear commandment of God. Don't ever. Don't ever break a clear commandment of God. If it's clear in Scripture, stay away. It's off limits. Number three, don't ever doubt your human frailty. Guys, don't ever doubt your human condition. As long as there is red blood flowing through your veins, we are all prone to fail in sin, regardless of how long you've been in the ministry. Here's number four. If you mess up, it's on you. We'll say that again, guys. If you mess up, it's on you. It's on me. I got to own it. Yeah, there might be circumstances that contributed. But at some point, we said yes. And then finally, if you do mess up, know that God will restore you. If you read the rest of the story, God still uses Aaron. Cost him the promised land, but he was still used by God. So as we journey from here, let's stand firm in our faith. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you so much for having the opportunity just to challenge us to um, stand firm. God, I believe every guy in this room at some point today or even this week will be pressured to compromise their walk and their faith. God, let us stand firm in our faith. Let Aaron be an example of what not to do. And we look forward to next week on who the example is, is what we should do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.